at First Timothy again, uh, verses 12 through 20. A little backtrack, and then we'll tackle our main verses, which is verses 18 through 20. I broke it kind of down in columns so you can kind of bite the phrases in chunks. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. So the grace that saves us is the grace that enables us. We call it enabling grace. And uh, Paul's faithfulness made himself available to God's enabling grace. Uh, some people are not enabled to do what God's called them to do because they're not faithful to uh, be open to his leadership. Putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. What in the world does insolent mean? A turkey, huh? Let's ask Siri. Define insolent. means showing a rude and arrogant lack of respect. <laughs> he was arrogant and rude. But I obtained mercy. Now Jesus gave the promise, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Paul wasn't being merciful, and yet he obtained it. I obtained mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And here's a guy that's totally unmerciful. He obtains mercy. That's a testimony of God's grace. But I did it, or I was that way ignorantly, in unbelief because of his lack of faith. And the grace of our Lord, who was was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. So that's the reason for the change. His grace and his exceedingly abundant faith and love that he gives. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Our lesson last week, Tom shared how he identified with Paul's story. And uh, Paul recognized he's a sinner unless God's grace saves him and enables him to be faithful. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy. Here's why he shows us mercy. Not because we're worthy, but because God wants to demonstrate his glory. That in me first, Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Kind of like a diamond representing God's grace against the black velvet of our sin because God wants to show his glory he shows us mercy because he wants to demonstrate his love he loves us and then he breaks out into praise now to the king eternal immortal invisible to God who alone is wise be honor and glory forever and ever amen Here's a man calls himself the chief chief of sinners. Earlier in his ministry, he called himself the least of the apostles. Then he called himself the least of the saints. Here he's calling himself the chiefest of sinners. The more he grows in the Lord, the, real, the more he realizes that he, that he needs humility. Now, he's done talking about himself. Now he's fixing to exhort a person to whom this letter is written. Verse 18. This charge I commit to you. Son Timothy, according to the prophecies. Can we say prophecies? Prophecies. Previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, on another occasion in the scriptures, Paul tells the church in Corinth to deliver a guy who was living in incest to Satan. In 1 Corinthians, he says do it. 
And then, 2 Corinthians, he says, restore him, lest he become discouraged. So, turning someone over to Satan was an act of discipline and not an act of excommunication. It was so they would learn to stop blaspheming. I don't know what they were doing. Um, Second Timothy talks about one of these guys, so he was still causing Paul problems in his ministry. And um, if you read some of uh, his other writings, there were guys that loved to mock him, make fun of his appearance, uh, make fun of the sound of his voice, uh, contaminate the gospel with a misunderstanding of the law, sow in discord, who knows, but Paul... Turn them over to Satan. How do you do that? I don't know. I guess you stop praying for someone. You put someone out and say, don't come back till you've repented. I don't know what the case is. What do you guys think? I don't think you quit praying for him. I think he would still do that. He prayed for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> He did it so they would learn not to blaspheme. I I guess let them figure out, as the old saying goes, figure out things the hard way. Let them reap what they sow. That's just kind of, sometimes you just got to let people do it. It's pretty much just letting them hang their own tails, huh? I think so. I think so. Um... So they're an example of what he's emphasizing. He doesn't want Timothy to suffer shipwreck. He wants him to be faithful to what God called him to. So he charges him, he commits this charge to him, that according to the prophecies made concerning Timothy, that by those prophecies he could wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. So faith is our shield. We quench the fiery darts of the wicked one with with faith. Uh, faith is based on what God has promised us. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a gift of the Spirit, and it's what saves us that God gives us. Saving faith is a gift from God. But we can let go of it. We can stop living by it. We can kind of let you know take it to the side. But also... I think he's emphasizing the importance of a good conscience. And so it is with prophecies. If we want to see them fulfilled in our lives, we've got to have faith, right? But we also have to have a good conscience. We believe those prophecies, but we live in such a way that the conditions, any prophecy the Lord gives us, whether it's to us directly from him to our hearts or through a human vessel, the condition for it is being faithful to the Lord and living living as he directs. You know, if you're married, being faithful to your wife. If you're not married, being faithful to celibacy till you do get married or whatever. And, and so uh, not cheating people. Uh, if you work for somebody, you know, do a good job even when the boss isn't looking because ultimately God's watching. Keep your conscience clear. Don't. Don't be searing your conscience or ignoring the voice of your conscience, but living living right. And so tonight's lesson, basically I entitled it The Purpose of Prophecy. What is the purpose of prophecy? Well, here we glean that these prophecies that Timothy had received were something that could spur him onward towards good works. There's something that he could use to wage warfare with with. So if he's an elder or a pastor in this church in Ephesus and everybody's not excited about his leadership, he can encourage himself by reminding him of what what he was told by the Lord and by people that believed in him and by the gift of prophecies uh, that were spoken over him. He could hold on to those things and remind himself, no, this is not this is not True. These are lies. I am going to hold on to what God has said. In my own life, I went through a season years ago where people in the church didn't like my leadership and they were bad-mouthing me, and I never could get to the bottom of it to try to straighten it out. All I could do was make it worse 
or leave it alone. And Joe, Joe was our elder at the time, and he said, man, just go to the movies or something. Ignore those people. But I couldn't shake it. And I read John DeVere's book on breaking intimidation. And basically it was this verse, according to the prophecies you receive, fight the good fight. So just as faith is our shield, the word, the rhema word, the spoken word of God is our sword. And I had to take out my sword and fight, look at myself in the mirror, and rebuke my own my own bewilderment, my own fear. You know, we know none of us are perfect. So when somebody uh, speaks ill of you, um, sometimes it sticks because you know, you know, well, you know, I really don't have it all together here, yada, yada, yada. But it was the enemy lie, total, total lies. There really was nothing other than people talking. And so I had to grow and realize I'm not running a fan club here. I'm trying to obey the Lord, and, and uh, they'll have to deal with him. And so I just, it was just a two-day period of reading this book and speaking to myself. I waged a good warfare, and that battle was over in my heart. I no longer was rattled. And uh, here I think Paul is referring to prophecies that Timothy had received when he was ordained into the ministry uh, as a a leader. Um, Here we see in the the next column, 1 Timothy 4, two chapters later in the same book, he tells Timothy, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, which you could call preaching, calling people to a higher walk, to doctrine, which is teaching. And then verse 14 he says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. The King James says the presbytery. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. So tonight we're talking about the purpose of prophecy. And I think what Paul is saying here is give yourself totally to reading, studying, preaching, and teaching, and and paying attention to the prophecies spoken to over you. Give yourself completely to these things, and you will progress. Uh, we all understand the power of negative prophecies in the world, in the secular world. Some parents tell their kids, you won't amount to nothing. And grown men, I mean, men who are, you know, approaching the age of grandparents, have their dad's voice in their head telling them, you won't amount to, you won't amount to nothing. And sometimes... Parents tell their kids this to encourage them to say, oh, that's not true. I am going to amount to something. But a lot of times the reverse happens. And a lot of times they pass that gift on to the next generation to try to spur people onward. But I think God's will is that we encourage each other and we speak affirmatively of one another's future and what the potential we see in each other that we spur one another on to good works. Exhort one another daily, the more often you see the day approaching. So uh, exhorting is a form of prophecy. (coughs) If it's biblical, you're calling someone up in God's calling in their life. Anybody have anything to share before we move on? The Bible talks a lot about staying away from things like the the Zodiac or whatever, that kind of stuff, but reading fortune tellers and things like that. And so there must be something there God's warning us about to stay away from that kind of stuff. Mm. That's good. Don't cast your pearls before swine. A lot in the word. What the word you hear, there's <laughs> a lot of power in it. Yeah. Um, sometimes because of the fortune tellers out there, the church shuns away from what we're to do. And we are. There is a place for laying hands on one another, praying one another, and speaking positive biblical things to one another to spur one another onward to, to good works. And uh, in Second Timothy, Paul tells the same guy, 
Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So maybe he had laid hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit, and he just wasn't yielding to the Spirit of God. Uh, Maybe this gift came to him with prophecy, uh, you know, revelation of his calling, and he was to believe it. He was to stir it up. He was to, I think uh, one translation says, fan the Spirit's flame. And I know in my own life I can grow spiritually cold and just kind of live on automatic or live on the embers of a memory of God's will in my life. But he wants these things to be fresh and alive in us. So the purpose of prophecy, I think, is to inspire us to move forward in the path to which he has called us. Um, It's not fortune-telling. 1 Corinthians 14.3 tells us that prophecy is uh, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Uh, The way I understand when you edify something, you build it. You build it up. A building, a nice building, is called an edifice. So when someone edifies you, they're they're building you up. Uh, Exhortation, uh, when someone exhorts you, they're calling you up. My mother is an exhorter, and uh, when we were in trouble, man, the exhortation began and she wouldn't stop. Spurring us onward to good works. You know better than this, you know. Reminding us of God's will for our lives. And sometimes to the point we say, Mama, go ahead and discipline us. We can't take any more preaching. You know, she's just a real exhorter. And, go ahead. Exhortation, though, I can see... um, when somebody exhorts from the pulpit, sometimes you deliver some unhappy warnings. Mm-hmm. Now, the, I think the most the most uh, successful and the the speaker that has the most impact can also deliver the encouragement with it. Yeah, I mean, spur you know, judgment. to spur someone onward. Uh, <laughs> you know, the word is, spur has some pain in it, right? Well, and 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 in Hebrews, we're we're you know we're spanked for our own good sometimes. It's yeah. not pleasant at the moment, yeah. but it's it's for our for our long term good. And and so uh, there's a it takes a skilled speaker to give both, but they're very important for us because sometimes the bottom line is there's judgment. And if you don't repent, consequences. There's consequences, yeah. and so, and so, uh, that's that's a, a balancing act that's that's I think important in a in a message. Not just like making the sandwich, the word of encouragement, and then the word of correction, and then the word of encouragement. <clears throat> I know growing. Up in certain, doesn't matter what the church was, but there came a point where they they just beat you down so much that you're never worthy, you're never good enough. You got to come to church more, you got to witness more, you got to, be, and you were just. And any time the doors of the church was open, you had to be there. If you ever, the only reason to church was because of death and. It, like Joe said, the exhortations to a point were good, but they also needed that point of of encouraging too. Yeah. And uh, as he yeah. said, I, I thoroughly agree that that's a fine line that you walk where that that point of discipline, but it's also encouraging, kind of like in football practice when they're making you dig a little deeper, even though it's hurting, it pays yeah. in the long run. Yeah. You know, it's, that's good. That's good. Um, Paul certainly had prophecies spurring him on, 
And in Acts 13, we have an example here of this happening in his own life. He's part of a church in Antioch, which is a different Antioch from from uh, another part of that part of the world where he also had a base. But this is the Antioch where he basically started. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. So I believe Paul was was one of those guys. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. His name hadn't yet been called Paul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. Now, how, how does the Holy Spirit speak? Through his gifts. So this was a word of prophecy. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. <laughs> I just find that humorous that he was there. Now, notice the prophetic word was a word of confirmation. Separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the calling had already been given. So I think there there can be a pattern seen here. First comes the calling, then God prepares you, then comes the sending. In my own life, I had a sense of calling, but there wasn't a sense of sending, so I sent myself. That was a great disappointment. And so I had to backtrack, hit the reset button, and wait till the Lord sent. And I didn't know that he would ever send. I, I was just totally submitted to him, uh, reading my utmost for his highest, by Oswald Chambers almost every day for encouragement. If you're discouraged, that book will keep you going. Identify with the crucified Christ. So they're told to be separated and sent for the work that they were called. So they were already called. They already had some dreams to pursue. But they're waiting on the Lord to confirm it. And I think prophecy is more confirmation of what the Lord speaks to your heart than just direction right out of the blue. Uh, in the Old Testament, maybe it was different, but in the New Testament, we all have a shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. We all have a shepherd that speaks to us, but we all also have our own hearts that speak to us. And sometimes to, to, to distinguish whether or not this is the Lord or this is me, we need the body of Christ, we need the gifts of the Spirit, we need the Scriptures to help discern whether or not the Lord is speaking to us. And if the what is the Lord, is the when of the Lord yet? And so in this case, they had heard from the Lord, but they were waiting, whether they knew it or not, on the Lord's sending. And when the sending came, man, they, they, they these prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Saul, became... Apostles, which means sent ones. Talking about the purpose of prophecy. Uh, any insights there from from that little story? Yes. This is as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, "I separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Not he, not Christ." The Holy Spirit said, I have called them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we forget that the Holy Spirit is a person distinct of He's God personal. the Father and Christ the Son. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, yeah, through well, I'm saying that He's saying, I have called them. Mm -hmm. you know. Jesus okay. said He would send the Spirit who would lead and guide us into all mm -hmm. truth. So we've seen thus far the spirit is, I mean, the prophecy 
is something we can fight with if we've received a prophecy. And uh, obviously, if it's a negative prophecy, someone's speaking ill of you, you fight against that and overcome it and come to a place where you just ignore it. But if it's from the Lord, you fight with it. You hold on to it. You encourage yourself with it. You use it like a sword. Uh, Proverbs says, there is he who speaks like the piercings of a sword. And we understand that, in the, we understand that very well in the negative. Uh, I mean, you can chop somebody up and spit them out with your, with your words. Words are very powerful. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. But life is in the tongue. And health is in the tongue. And so uh, we've got to speak favorably of ourselves. If we have a good conscience and we have faith, and we know God is speak, speaking to us, we encourage ourselves. And so when Saul and Barnabas go out, they're not greeted with joy everywhere they go. I mean, these guys are beaten, they're jailed, all that, this side or the other. And so they, no doubt, recall to memory this day, the Lord said, separate unto me. We didn't call ourselves. We waited on the Lord. So, Lord, we want you to, you know, take the leadership here. We want to follow you. So the purpose of prophecy is confirmation, it's encouragement, it's uh, something to do warfare with. According to the prophecies, wage a good warfare. Keeping faith and a good conscience. Does that make any sense? The, All right. The confirmation part, um, maybe because it's happened to me this way, but <clears throat> when I see somebody prayed over and a word given to them, and there's an emotional response, and I know in my own life, I had already heard that, mm-hmm. and it was very confirming. Mm-hmm. So it brings out, the Lord is really speaking to me here. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times that emotional response will follow the, the, the confirmation, the pro- prophetic word that's a confirmation. Oh, you know. Uh, if you don't know, just we call it put on put it on a shelf, you know. Obviously, if somebody prophesies to you who, who you're supposed to marry and you've never dreamed of that, don't act on that. <laughs> I, I remember you brought Lies. up. Lies have been right. It might have been a series on prophecy. And, and the first one, if someone prophesied a life-changing prophecy on you or, or whatever, first off it was, uh, as Joe would say, is it con- has the Holy Spirit, is it a confirmation that the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you? Mm-hmm. Secondly, is it biblical? Is what they say, and then if those first two are true, well, then also brothers or sisters in the Lord that are that are maybe your mentors, or whatever you discuss with them before you, like you said, just oh, I'm marrying her. They said to, or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to judge prophecy. Oh, God spoke. We shouldn't judge it. No, we need to judge it because He's using humans, and humans are not perfect. And the the judge of the prophecy actually can strengthen your faith. In the you know if they say this is right on and and here's why I believe it, they can help strengthen your faith. So always be willing to to um, share with people you trust what you feel the Lord spoke to you or what somebody told you God said or uh, you know somebody starts prophesying over you. Get get the tape or the CD or record it on your phone and and judge it. Don't. Don't be misled. Uh, you, you can't do warfare with something that's misleading. Go ahead. We had a couple in our one of our home groups one time, and they were just in bad shape for their marriage. And, but she kept contending over and over. God told her to marry him, and that was the only thing that that she could give. And uh, and I just I would have liked to reround that to back when before they got married to find out how all that, because they did eventually get divorced. Yeah. So the counsel of others, the biblical uh, view of it, th- those are those are necessary, not options. Yeah. I, I think sometimes prophecies in church was also made in the heat of the moment mm-hmm. when you're having certain feelings you see somebody's hurting, whether it be divorce or a sickness in the family, and you feel like the Holy Spirit's telling you that there's going to be reconciliation in this marriage, and 
I know it was, there's a brother that, that made that prophecy to a brother here. He coming to be with the Lord. Anyway, the guy's wife left him and didn't come back. And he said, well, I just, or I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm with the Lord next time I say that. I'm not going to go out there again because cause he felt so bad for me. He knew how bad he was hurting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. When you're dealing with a third party's will, and that's another level. Yeah. Just encourage the person that you're ministering to and whoever else is in the picture. Be real careful. Go ahead. Oh, speaking of third party, even when you're giving prophecy, it's coming from God, but it's going through you. And a lot of times <laughs> people will put a spin on their it. feelings from what they think it means instead of just saying what it is God is telling them to do because it doesn't maybe it doesn't make sense to the person giving them prophecy so they try and give it some sort of context so that it makes sense to them but it's not necessarily what they were supposed to have good. spoken that's good so you kind of have to filter it when people are speaking prophecy to you because it's like yes maybe God did speak to them but maybe that wasn't the context and how it was supposed to be delivered right filled in the blanks. And sometimes people hear more than what was said to them. And so that's the other reason for judging it. Say, no, brother, I was there. This is this is what I heard. Anyway. Back in the early 80s when I was living out in Lubbock before I moved back to Dallas, I knew this guy and he was dating this woman. And they were, they were very sincere and quite serious. And she'd been going to this church and uh, she got a prophecy that she was supposed to marry this other guy in the church. And she broke up with her boyfriend and married that guy. And uh, it just left him, you know, just like, what? It just left him in a quandary of not knowing what to do and and that. And I have no idea what happened to the woman and, the, and, mm. and any of that. But, you know, you have to be... I mean, there are times when, you're, when people are told things that just are devastating. And, you know, you have to be considerate of all the people that are around you, that if you if you're going to do something that you think God told you, you have to take care of them too. Yeah, and it's not just like okay, forget you, I'm moving on. You know, God loves everybody, so yeah, it's not going to be wipe your feet off on somebody and leave them in the like dust. Stomp on someone else as you're leaving the door. Yeah, yeah. What's your caution to those who are given prophecies? Giving giving prophecy. <laughs> Be bold, be brief, be, oh. bibi- be biblical, well, be seated. No dates, no mates. Yeah, no dates or no mates, yes. <laughs> Never heard that. No yeah. dates, no. Somebody who's the king of prophetic cautions is Robert Morris, and he is really prophetic, the pastor of Gateway. The first time I heard him speak, I took notes, and these are from my notes, May 29, 1988. 28 years ago, he was a security guard at Motel 6 when he preached this sermon. And it's a series of never and always statements. You know, you should never use the word never and always be careful with using the word always. But these statements are truths where the word never and always are used in reference to prophecy. So let's dive in here. Um, True prophecy never comes by the will of man. Second Peter one twenty one says, But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So if it's true prophecy, it's, it, man's will is not the originator. Uh, true prophecy always testifies of Jesus. Revelation 19.10 says, The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And so... The Holy Spirit uh, represents Jesus, and so he speaks what he hears, what Jesus said, and so it all originates through the Lord. True prophecy is never grounds for disobedience. Now, this is unusual, but in more than one place in the book of Acts, Paul was warned not to go to Jerusalem. Or he was warned, if you go to Jerusalem, here's what's going to happen to you. One guy took a belt and wrapped it around his arms. If you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. But the Spirit had told him to go. 
So prophecies were just to prepare him for the hardship that was ahead. It wasn't grounds for disobedience because the Lord was leading him to do what he did. Now, some people shoot at Paul for going as though nothing should ever bad happen to us, nothing bad should ever happen to us if we obey the Lord, but that's not necessarily true, man. He'll lead you to the fiery furnace, man. True uh, prophecy always follows the Lord's voice. Amos 3.8 says, uh, The lion has roared, who can but fear? The Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? So, the, the, we don't just make stuff up to be the Lord first. Now, I know there's a place for speaking to your fears and speaking to your discouragements, but you got to be careful that, that you don't start trying to predict the future, you're following the Lord. Uh, true prophecy never subtracts from or adds to the scriptures. Revelation 22 warns against that. Uh, and true prophecy, this is one that's hard, but it's true, is always in part. We know in part. We prophesy in part. As Ephraim said, <laughs> there may not be much to the word, so somebody will embellish it to try to make it make more sense or put a spin on it. And, uh, and I always have heard, don't try to fill in the blanks. Just, Just speak what the Lord gives you and leave it. At that. Just the fact that the Old Testament and all the prophecies about Jesus, you think the scribes and Pharisees would know who Jesus was when he showed up because they knew the prophecies, but they didn't. They misunderstood them. No. They, they had filled in the blanks, yeah. <laughs> and he didn't fit in their caricature of what, he, what the Messiah was going to be. All right. Um, Now, here's something about New Testament prophets. Prophets are never always right. Why? Well, they're not always prophesying. And everything they say isn't something God tells them to say. And so they are human, and so they could be wrong. That's the reason for judging prophecies. Uh, prophets are always an instrument. Um, they are not God. Just because your favorite preacher said something doesn't mean God said it. Prophets are never spooky. Uh, true prophets, they make sense. They, those guys that get all weird and mysterious, that, that's probably not a New Testament prophet. Um, prophets are always to be like Jesus. And he is the prophet. In Deuteronomy 18, there was this prophecy given to Moses where God said, a day is coming when I'm going to send the prophet like you, Moses. Of course, he was the one. And when Jesus came, some people said, are you the prophet? They were looking forward to him. And in Acts 3, uh, Peter says he is that prophet. And so uh, we're, to, we're to reflect him. All right, receiving prophecy. Never judge prophecy by past circumstances, you know. Well, that can't be true because of my past. You know. uh, always judge prophecy by the word. Never receive condemnation from prophecy. Condemnation is not correction. Condemnation is, just, is you're just doomed. It's all over for you. Judgment. Yeah. Always receive edification, exhortation, and comfort. Um now, here's a word on giving prophecy. Prophecy comes, always comes, from focusing our mind on the Lord in, in worship. As they were ministering to the Lord in fasting in Acts 13, the Lord spoke. So it's in, it's in uh, focusing our minds on the Lord that he generally speaks to us. Prophecy is never revelation, it's confirmation. It's, if it's revelation to you, it's the first time you ever thought of something like that, you have to... You have to wait. For instance, Sunday, uh, Sonny Knatzer, who I love, I like him. He was a tall, white-haired guy when he was praying over us. He told me, there's coming a change. Get ready for the new thing. I have no idea what that is. So I'm not doing anything until something like that becomes clear. 
see what I mean? At the same time, I'm, I'm, it, it causes me to say, okay, Lord, wh- where, you know, what are you wanting to do? You know, spurring me on to good works rather than just. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I struggle a little with that one. It's never revelation. Um, I don't know what, what, is there a, a scripture that would tell us? Because to This me, was Robert's opinion. <laughs> yeah. Now, again, we're talking about giving prophecy and not the prophet necessarily. We know prophets will come. Right. Revelation talks about that. But, but the idea of prophecy can sometimes be revelation. I mean, it, I wouldn't say it's always, and certainly in most of our cases, uh-huh. it's confirmation. But I, I struggle with that one a little. Yeah, I think. Is, is, I think is, he's trying to distinguish if if it's totally new to you, it's not confirming what God has spoken to your heart. Then, you know, don't do anything with it. Not saying throw it away, but don't wreck your life with something that may not be. Yeah, it's kind of a strong statement. Never. Well, I, I I believe that because you you're given a prophecy, it's not your duty to fulfill it. You know, uh, because it could be wrong. And a lot of times, the, the a word given to you, the best thing to do is wait on the Lord. Yeah. So uh, in that sense, I do. Yeah. Agree. And then once once He leads you, it's time, and you move forward, and you begin to meet opposition. You encourage yourself with that word. Anyway. In the context of New Testament prophets, um, John the Apostle, and when he wrote Revelation. I mean, yeah, that was a revelation. That's that true. Was, that was a revelation, yeah. and it was a prophecy. Yeah. Sorry, Robert. We disagree with you, sir. <laughs> this was him 28 years ago. Uh, prophecy always needs to bring life to the hearer. What does it mean to bring life to somebody? JP talked about, you know, growing up in church where you're just getting hammered on all the time. That that it's not a life giving service when you're hammering on the sheep all the time. I think time. another word would be hope for that. Hope? Hope you know, it's uh, as you have always said, prophecy always needs to be about edifying and not tearing down. So if it's not lifting up. Is it prophecy? There's a purpose for it, right. right. And, and you know, in building a building, sometimes a board gets put in the wrong place. you got to knock the board down to, to build the building properly. And so there is a place for correction. Um, that's not, not that the church needs to be constantly corrected. You know, all, all of us correcting each other all the time. You know, that would be fault-finding fellowship. But there's a time for correction and a way to do it. Um, prophecy is always subject to the prophet. You can control yourself in church. <laughs> Just to stand up and interrupt the sermon with tongues and interpretation, I couldn't control myself. It was God. You know, you got a, a schizophrenic God on your hands. If he if he if he spoke to you, it'll wait. It'll hold. And, uh, what did Paul say? And where was that at? Where he said, "I'd rather you all prophesy when visitors are welcome." Yeah. Speaking tongues. The same. The same chapter. The same context yeah. of that statement. First Corinthians fourteen thirty-two. Uh, it is never right to be unlike Christ. And the word of the Lord is always submitted to the Lord of the Word. Why? Because sometimes the word of the Lord you think isn't. His word, it's the word of Alan Latta. So, um, and that's why it's so healthy to have people around you that that love the word and love you that can help and speak up. Like, hey, I'm not sure about it. it's never a revelation. So we just had an example of that to keep us keep us out of error. Any other insights or comments? Randy Ellis said one time, he said, anytime somebody says, and God told me, yeah. I kind of go, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> and that's all they stuck with me. 
that would be on TV or some minister will say, man, God told me, and boy, there we go. Oh, what's coming out next? Yeah. For me, growing up, I grew up with some very spiritual, charismatic relatives that it seemed like the Holy Spirit was always telling them to do what they wanted to do. <laughs> and maybe it was just my skepticism, but almost like a test for me is when I feel leading or something. Is it like if I something I want to do? Well, maybe it's me. But if it's something that I definitely don't want to do, but I'm still feeling like God's leading me to do it, then I can be pretty sure that it's the Holy Spirit leading me to do it. Because it would be not must be my idea to do that on my own. So, <laughs> you know, it says receiving prophecy, never judge prophecy by past circumstances. There was uh, I saw a thing this week, and it says, remember, your past life is lessons learned, not a condemnation and sentence to live out. Ooh. Oh, that is good. And, uh, you know, so our past life is to teach us, but not to condemn us to a sentence of forever. Yeah. And we're called to, to living a new life. Right. I, I think and that's very... That's I, I, I think where Robert was coming from, um, well, saying, so, somebody gives you a prophecy, you believe it because they got something right about your past. All right. That's not always guy true. pulls a very pretty woman out of the crowd. I've seen guys do this. I see you with a lot of rejection in your life. <laughs> well, everybody wrestles with rejection at some point, and really attractive women have have their own battles to fight, and you know, women not so attractive have their own battles to fight, and so. Okay, that's true. So she starts crying. That's true. And then he gives her some off-the-wall prophecy, and she believes it's from the Lord because he got the first part right. Um, so just be careful with them talking about your past and connecting with where you're at. You are now to to give credence to the whole rest of the prophecy. Just be careful. Just be careful with it. Don't don't just take it because well you got that right. So it has to. I have to go into the you know oil drilling business because. He was right about, you know, anyway. I always became a little skeptical of the prophets who would come and only pick out the pretty people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would let me in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I knew I wasn't going to get I try one, not to, one of these. I try not to have those guys act very often. <laughs> anyway, I love them, but, you know, anyway. So, question. What is the purpose of prophecy? Who wants to? Who wants to? To give us tools to do what we're going to do. <laughs> they help okay. us along the way. Okay. Uplift and edify. Okay. Confirm. Confirm. To bring comfort and hope to people. Okay. Anything else? Maybe a certain kind of guidance. Yeah. Weapons for warfare. According to the prophecies, ways of good warfare, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith and suffered shipwreck. So we need we need prophecy. We do it. A lot of times ministers prophesy to you and they don't even know that they prophesied to you. It's just in a normal text of your message that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be somebody pulling you out of the crowd. And a lot of times, you know, there's a word given to you that they feel like it's just, bam, or amazing. Yeah. But it confirms something. It confirms that God was working with you in a certain, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the confirmation. Well, that's true. Um, yeah, something we didn't get into here is another place Paul wrote, do not despise prophecy. Just because of the human error component, it's easier just to say, we don't want any of that around here. Those are the churches I grew up in. Yeah. <laughs> and we despise it. We're ripping ourselves off as part of the adventure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I always wondered that, you know, they say, well, we don't have the prophecy, we don't have the healing, but yeah, we have this next verse. We we can have that, yeah. you know, but we're not going to have the speaking in tongues because God gave us words, so we don't need that no more. Yeah. And you just, man, let's just, you're just picking and choosing. It's all in that one letter right there. Cherry you know, picking. This is not the cafeteria. No. <laughs> no. Cherry picking the New Testament. Cherry picking Jesus. Anybody else? Because I didn't grow up in, in prophecy churches and stuff like that. To me, in reading the New Testament and the prophet, the prophecies and stuff like that, was not as detrimentally lethal to the prophet as it was in the Old Testament, where if they got one wrong, they would be stoned to death. So that would give, in the Old Testament, the uh, the prophets a a pause to think about. Yeah. Do I really? Is this really God or is this me? There's a consequence here. If I, if I say something. And, and if they were right on, they still got stoned. Yeah. Could <laughs> be. Yeah. Or they were wanted to be killed because they were correct. But but you know there was a, there was a incentive to to pause and wait on the Lord in the Old Testament. I think uh, that I don't see in the New Testament. Well, um, Acts, thir- Acts, Acts 13, they were ministering to the Lord, and the Lord speaks. Mm-hmm. And there had already been, uh, separate them to the work where I've called them. So there was no more details other than that. They already had the details. Maybe that was a prophecy they had gotten earlier. I don't know. But it was certainly a team of guys that uh, were waiting on the Lord. Not that they were seeking that prophecy. Maybe they were just having a meeting, and this was one of the things they did every so often, and the Lord spoke. Um, one thing about the Old Testament is they didn't have the Holy Spirit like we do in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And the prophets were rare and, and more special, I guess. Yeah. Now we all have... Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, trying to leave, trying to get us where we need to be. And they didn't have that notion. Yeah. It was a big shift when Jesus came. He fulfilled the old and brought in the new. Yeah, they messed up. They 
were worthy of death, and if they didn't mess up, they could. I mean, John the Baptist lost his head. It was not easy. And he was the first one in like 400 years. Yeah. <laughs> They'd had no prophets in a long time. Yeah. So I, I, um, I think prophecy does not like an accelerator in your car because you have an accelerator does not do away with the need for brakes. Uh, prophecy does not do away with the need for discerning of spirits and other the word of wisdom and and other things. Um, maybe you have a dream of starting a business and just because somebody confirms that dream with the prophecy doesn't mean you still don't need to seek counsel and <laughs> Get experience under your belt, especially if it's starting a restaurant, right, Ephraim? <laughs> you better hear from the Lord and, and uh, keep in step with Him. Anyway, Randy was given a good, uh, interesting word, I should say, years and years ago. <clears throat> and it was by one of the elders at Shady Grove. Okay. But they recognized Randy had prophetic, and they and they told him, and I always thought this was good. They said. Randy, your job is deliver, to deliver the message that God gives you. Okay. Don't give that over to the body and to the elders in particular, but don't get all upset and try and make it happen, and you have to just let it, let it go. This is what God told you, and you share it and leave it alone. And some I've always I've always remembered that if sometimes you give a word and you say only what you know the Lord said, not to add to it or take away from it, just give that word. And, and I always thought that was a that was a, a really in, uh, some wisdom. And uh, yeah, <laughs> the other thing a person may give a word and know they're right on. And they'll get impatient with the person mm-hmm. who needs to take time to judge and all that. They get impatient. God said, I said, yada, yada. And uh, there's an analogy I use there to try to slow that person down. It's, you said, you're being like the mailman who delivered the mail. His job's done, but he's standing there making sure you open the envelope and you read every page and gets mad when you don't do that. No, you do. You obey the Lord and then you move on. Yeah. Yeah, there's a verse in the Old Testament about a vision being for an appointed time. Mike? Looks like to me there would be a problem with trying to get the Lord to say something when sometimes he doesn't say anything right mm-hmm. away. And you try to put words in his mouth and you just want an answer so bad. Yeah. That you might. Yeah. Robert, back in these days, had a, a particular person chasing him for a word. And uh, so one morning he prayed. He says, Lord, this person wants a word for me, and I don't have one. And and the Lord spoke to him and says, tell tell that person I want to meet with them first thing in the morning. (laughs) So he told the person, the Lord said he wants to meet with you first thing in the morning. (laughs) That's not what the person wanted to hear, but it's a good word, though. He got a word. It was a good word. (laughs) Well, when I was going to Bible school, there was a there was a good friend of mine. He was a good friend of mine. His name was Charlie. Charlie wasn't the most handsome guy in the world. He was he was just normal. And there was this beautiful girl who went to school there. Yes, drop dead model, gorgeous. And the Lord told him, He said that she was going to marry him. And. He he pursued her to the point of of her despising him, mm. saying, you know, he'd say, well, the Lord told me I've been praying. You're gonna he's gonna change your mind. I'm, you're gonna you're gonna fall in love with me, and we're gonna get married. And she would just leave me alone. <laughs> he said, man, she's coming over. I know the Holy Spirit's working. <laughs> and oh, it just got to be a joke. We said she was friends and. So that word, that word got from Charlie. Is it? Is it caught on to you yet? <laughs> but I mean, yeah. you just sometimes just because you want something, 
not mean it's and, God. Yeah, and he would go to the prophet that would be coming to, I need to hear a word from you. A certain, you know, 